What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 119 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I sat down with Aaron. He is the owner and operator of discovercontainers.com and in my mastermind group, somebody that until I met him and chatted with him, didn't even think about or consider the option of buying a location independent business online and then making yourself location independent. It's reasonably affordable option and can give you the lifestyle that you've always really wanted, which is maybe living in Bali, for example, which is where he lives and makes a very good living. And all he had to do was research the business, do his due diligence and buy it, which was just for me, it might sound silly to you, but like a completely game changing idea um, that there are these options. You don't have to necessarily go buy a brick and mortar for millions of dollars. There's websites and people out there who are developing businesses, making a profitable income monthly from their businesses, and then willing to sell it to you for, again, a reasonable price that then can give you the life that you've always wanted. So I brought him on the show. We chatted about you know how he did it, why he did it, and he's actually a wealth of knowledge on the subject of doing the due diligence needed to investigate a business that you're about to buy, you know, looking at the balance sheet, the profit loss, like really digging deep into the weeds and finding out if this is something that's going to be a worthwhile purchase for you. And mid episode, I challenged him and I challenged the audience to leave a comment and answer the question of whether if Aaron were to make an online course about how to really dig deep into the weeds and investigate purchasability of an online venture, an online business of some sort. He has a knowledge and a background in investigating businesses to buy, whether they're brick and mortar. And he just applied that to the online space and buying businesses online. And he's a wealth of knowledge. So I challenged him. I said, listen, I'm going to broach it to the audience and say, listen, guys, if you want something like this, please leave a comment. Please let us know. And if there's enough feedback, maybe Aaron will make a online course about how to buy a business online. So I challenge you, if you really are interested in maybe creating a lifestyle for yourself that's location independent, and you want to not necessarily have to build your own brand or get into some sort of like service-based business like teaching English, for example, online or doing some sort of like drop shipping business or something like that. You know, Aaron's got the knowledge to help you really dive deep into what the real value of a business you're about to buy is and he be willing to maybe make a course for those who are interested. So so please leave a comment saying, yes, I think it's a good idea that Aaron makes a course on how to analyze and then buy a business online in the comments so that we know that this might be a viable new business venture for Aaron to start, which is creating an online course about how to buy a business online. So yeah, please leave a comment about that if you're interested in something like this. If you're a first-time listener, please pull out your phone, hit the subscribe button. If you like this episode, again, please leave a comment for Aaron. Please rate the episode. That really helps me in the iTunes ratings, getting this message out there of lifestyle design, how to create the life that you've always dreamed of. And if you want, you can always follow Misfits and Rejects on Instagram. And please, if you haven't gotten a t-shirt yet, please head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop. I'd be super honored if you supported Misfits and Rejects by buying a t-shirt representing the brand. Super comfortable tees, unisex tees, female tanks. It would mean the world to me. I'd appreciate it. And with that said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Aaron from discovercontainers.com. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, 
entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today joining me on the episode is Aaron. He's in my mastermind group. I met him recently, and when he told me how he had become a digital nomad, my mind was actually blown because it's such a simple concept. It's simple if you know how to borrow money or if you have some saved up, and you can just pretty much go buy a business that already is functional, making money, and then just go plant yourself in the location you desire, and boom, you're a digital nomad. And I thought it'd be cool to bring him on the show just to talk about his path and how he got to where he is today. So Aaron, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chapin. Glad to be here. Yeah, dude. So Aaron's in Bali right now. I'm in Thailand. We've met because we're both in a mastermind group, which meets twice a month. And we just kind of talk about each other's businesses with some other people. And we all give input. And for me, it's pretty much the best thing that's ever happened to me, meeting you, dude, and the whole crew. Um, how is it for you? How is this whole mastermind process felt to you and, and have you been in one in the past uh this is my first one so i don't have a lot of experience with it but so far so good i mean everyone's got a very diverse uh you know different set of experiences so i think you know together we can kind of learn from each other and i think it'll be a good experience for everyone how did you find out about the dynamite circle uh it started with uh the podcast i guess the tropical nba podcast I'm, i don't even remember how i found out about it some somewhere i found it i listened to a few episodes and every now and then they kind of plug it and um at the time when i found it i actually didn't have a business i was just kind of listening as more of a aspirational listener i guess and then you know later on as we can discuss i came to uh, be a business owner and so uh kind of went back to uh the dynamite circle and decided maybe that would be worth my time and, and money to join. So here I am. Yeah, it seems like that's how many people in our mastermind and just in the group in general have found this kind of community, which is it's a paid mastermind. It's a paid community where we all get together um, at different meetups around the world. And then everyone gets together once a year in Bangkok for a big blowout kind of meetup where it's not all just fun and games. Like we really work and get together. And I didn't participate this year. I joined, you know, a month after it had already happened. Did you go to the Bangkok event? I did not. Uh, I, I knew of it. I've, I've heard of it before, but I didn't make it. So I'm hoping to go to that one or another one uh, in the 2019. Yeah, I was uh, doing, you know, get shit done, as many listeners know, here in, in Thailand, which is why I came to just connect with like-minded people and really focusing on what I needed to do more of to get my business more viable. And it just, the accountability and the networking is so valuable. I mean, I genuinely feel like this is such a pivotal moment in my online career. Um, how do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, I, I think I definitely have a lot that I could learn. So I'm, I'm optimistic that I can, you know, pick up some nuggets here and there from folks. Um, I think there's, there's always value in, in, you know, sharing, commiserating with people and you know, whether that's like technical skills, whether that's expanding your network or, you know, there's a, a lot of different ways the value can be created, but, um, I think it's generally never a, a huge waste of your time to, you know, talk to people who are kind of down in the trenches doing similar work that you are. Yeah, 100%. It's kind of why I brought you on as well, because in a, in a in a sense, I mean, you were 
a viable business the second you purchased your business. So I know that there are aspects of what we're doing together that will be helpful, you know, help you help you with your cash flow, maybe help you make more money or do whatever it does to help get your business to where you want it to get. But for me, for example, like I've been floundering for years, you know, looking for you guys and just now having this network of people. Like I went through my notes from our last meeting and like I felt guilty um, for not coming to our next meeting, which happens in like two days without actually doing the things that you guys told me to do. You know, that accountability for me is just so key. But I mean, with you having, did you come up with the idea just to go out and look for a business to buy to become a digital nomad? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it was, you know, I was the first one to think of it, but, uh, it's, you know, it's an idea that I decided, um, and I guess we can, we can just jump into that now. I, I was at the point where I kind of wanted to do something and, uh, something entrepreneurial. And I think there, there's kind of two different types of people. There's people who are good at starting things and, you know, eventually they get kind of bored after they've built something up and they've grown it to some level. They're kind of like, I'm ready to do something new. And then there's another type of person that's more like they like to improve things. They like to, you know, take things that already work and make them better or take things apart and fix them and make them a little bit, you know, high performance or, or better than they were before. And I, I'm definitely in that second group of people. And so, you know, with that in mind, I was, I had, you know, a couple of years ago, I started thinking about, you know, maybe buying a business. And uh, when we talk about my, my prior work experience, kind of dovetailed into that a little bit. And so I was looking into actually, uh, you know, more brick and mortar type businesses. So uh, an RV park, a laundromat, um, you know, things like that uh, back home in the U.S. Um, and, and there's a lot of different types of businesses you can get into. I mean, there's things you never even thought of that are out there that are, you know, making money. And so there's, uh, you know, business brokers that create listings, just like you can look at houses for sale, you can look at businesses for sale. And so I, you know, looked through hundreds of those. And then, um, I don't know, somehow thinking about uh, online businesses popped on my radar. I don't remember where I really got the idea from. I guess it was, you know, talking to people or listening to podcasts or, you know, occasionally seeing those for sale. And I started kind of thinking through my mind, you know, I like traveling. I, I like the flexibility of kind of not having to go to a, you know, a, an office or a retail location and, and having to be there and having, you know, hours that have to be open and all that kind of stuff. The the internet business really provides you with a lot more flexibility, which I was kind of looking for. So uh, I kind of shifted gears a little bit and started looking towards these more online businesses and uh, eventually found one. Yeah, dude, that's cool. Can we touch upon a little bit, you know, where you were within your your previous life, uh, business-wise, you kind of alluded to being, you know, working a nine-to-five. What were you actually doing? I know you have a background in engineering. Um, can you talk a little bit to the audience about where you were within your your business life before you decided to make this big move? Yeah, I, I was kind of all over the place a little bit. So I I went to university and uh, in the United States and graduated and actually joined the military. Um, and served in the Navy for about five years or so. And I was an engineer officer, so kind of doing project management for construction projects on Navy bases. Uh, after that, I decided I wanted to shift gears in some direction, go in another direction. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. And then uh, for any of your listeners who have heard of the post-9-11 GI Bill, it's a, it's a, a kind of a change in the law that happened, I don't know, five or ten years ago, where uh, you can basically go to school, whether it's grad school or, or undergrad, and then military will pay for you to go get that degree, and they'll actually give you a housing allowance as well. So it was basically, for me, I tell people it was like a big banner hanging over a bridge or something. It said, like, get out of the military now because we're going to pay you to go 
for school. So I ended up getting out and going to get my MBA, um, my full-time MBA. So I did that for two years. And then after that, I worked as a management consultant for uh, Deloitte Consulting, which is one of the big four accounting consulting firms. So did that for a couple of years, uh, worked in with a friend of mine for kind of a small private equity company. And for people who don't know what that means, it's basically uh, looking for businesses to buy what's called M&A or mergers and acquisitions, um, looking for businesses to purchase and operate, but obviously a lot bigger businesses. So we're, we're talking about businesses that are you would buy for between, I don't know, let's say, one and maybe 10, 10 and $50 million. That's kind of the size of businesses we were evaluating. So the process of doing that gave me a little bit of insight into kind of the type of things you might want to look for in a business to buy, but obviously there's a lot of differences between, you know, a much smaller and an online business versus, you know, a $20, $30, 40000000 million business that's got 100 employees that's in pick a city, you know, USA. Yeah, I mean, can we maybe go a little bit deeper into that? Because I think that'd be super valuable, not just to me, but the audience. Like the differences as you started going down that path and evaluating the brick and mortar versus the online, the things that you were kind of would say like the top three to five things, or I don't know, maybe you can tell us what are the top things that you need to look for and be aware of as you get down into the, the bottom line of what you're looking for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, it really helps to have a foundation in accounting and I'm certainly, I'm not an accountant. I don't, I'm not an expert in accounting. I've taken like one accounting class, but I, I certainly know more than I did before that class. And Having had that, you're able to kind of look at the financials for businesses, and that's really where the rubber meets the road. Um, you can you can talk about I have a great product, or you know people love my service, but you know ultimately you need to be making money, and that's you know proven in your accounting statements. So being able to look at those and evaluate those and decide you know how the balance sheet and the income statement look um, is kind of where you make. Make your money, so to speak, of, of if, if a particular company is worth buying or not. So that's the, kind of the first thing. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of differences in in you know the online versus brick and mortar as far as the type of product or services you're providing typically, and then also just um, with like kind of the the infrastructure that's surrounding the business. So I mean, most online businesses don't have property; they don't have a building. Um, a lot of times, they have less or no employees maybe they'll have contractors instead of you know actual uh w2 employees um so there's a lot of kind of different things you have to look at and that's really a, a whole you I mean people have written books about how to evaluate businesses um and it's it's kind of two different sets of uh criteria i guess but for online businesses which is probably more relevant to your audience i mean you need on top of the kind of the accounting stuff you need to be somewhat familiar with kind of online marketing in general, how all that works. A lot of times when you look at a business to buy, the seller or the broker who's representing the seller will provide access to someone's Google Analytics account, for instance. And so um, it's helpful to have looked at Google Analytics before and to be able to kind of go in there and make heads or tails of what some of those numbers mean. And, you know, is this a good trend? Is this a bad trend? Is this, you know, something that's going to you know, cause me problems or not? Where is the traffic coming from? Are they you know, paying for things? Are they not? Um, and then I'd say the, the other thing, which is, I mean, these aren't necessarily three discrete things, but they're kind of related, is you need to kind of trust the seller and, and be able to understand kind of where the money is actually coming from. Um, 
it's it's pretty easy for people to deceive you and uh, how they're making money. And there's stories out there of you can probably find of people buying businesses, whether brick and mortar or online, and it was not really what the seller said it was. So a good example of that, like let's say we're talking about uh, laundromats. So one of the ways that you evaluate a laundromat is how many people are coming in every day or every week and putting money into the slots and washing their, their clothes, right? So typically when you buy a laundromat, you would go with the seller and follow them, and typically they would go a couple times a week, and they'll open each machine, and they'll collect the coins that are in there, and then they'll count them all up, and they'll say, okay, this is how much I made for the past few days. Well, there's nothing that says the seller can't come in and what's called seed the machine. So they know you're coming at a certain time to, to shadow them. They just go in an hour before. They put a bunch of quarters in all the machines, and then it looks like it's making a ton more. So people got around that, and they said, okay, well, you know, what if we make kind of a an equation or something that looks at the water bill or the gas bill because every washer you know it uses however many gallons of water per cycle or it uses however many however much gas for a dryer cycle so we can look at the water bill and, and kind of work out an equation for how many uh, you know cycles were done in, in the washing machine well sellers can go and they'll just turn the water on and just leave it running for like weeks or they'll like, you know, turn the heater on really high or something to run the gas bill up. So it causes them, you know, a short-term increase in their water bill, but it makes it look like there's a lot more earnings. So every different business, there's different kind of ways you can do something like that. That's an example, but you have to kind of really think about where is the money coming from and like is there a way that someone could be deceiving me where this could be falsified in some way. And so you, this is not something you want to just jump into with, you know, a couple of days of research and go buy something like you can. It's it's a little tricky. So you need to do definitely do your research and talk to people and, and make sure you kind of have a feeling for what's going on, because there's there's people out there um, who, you know, for whatever reason, feel like it's their job to deceive you and trick you and, and take your money. And they're happy to do it if you let them. Dude, here's what we're going to do. So Aaron has um, purchased a. Uh it's called discovercontainers.com, which we're going to get into in a minute. But I'd like to challenge the audience because I think I have a, a business idea for you, Aaron. Aaron, okay. I think you should create a course on how to analyze online businesses to help people who are interested. They could buy your course and you could take them step by step through this. And I'm challenging the listeners right now who are listening to if you think that's a good idea and you would purchase a course on this because you desire to do the same thing that Aaron has done. Leave a comment in the comments, and we will tally them up to validate this idea if it's a good one. How do you feel about that, Aaron? That sounds like an interesting experiment. Yeah, let's do it. Let's experiment with it. But yeah, so Aaron, de Aaron decided on, which we'll get into in a second, like discover containers. He sells the information for people to build their own container home. Can you talk about the different businesses that you came across before you decided on that model, Aaron, to – give an audience about what's really out there in the market of online businesses to buy? Yeah, there are, I mean, there's so many choices. Um, and and I guess before I go into that, you might want to wonder, you know, where am I finding these businesses to look at? So Please, yes. the, the majority of, of times I'm not just like emailing random websites and asking if they'll sell me their business, um, which I guess you could do that, but it's probably not very fruitful. So there's, there's business brokers out there, which I kind of alluded to uh, previously, 
These are companies that you know work very similar in real estate. Uh, they a seller comes to them and says, "Hey, I want to sell my business." Okay, sure, I'll be kind of your representative. They create uh, like a, a small document that's anywhere between one and twenty pages that kind of gives information on the business, gives some of the accounting numbers, gives information on their products and services and their history and you know various bits of data. Um, and then those brokers get that document they've created and they send it out to lists that they have. And so when you want to look for a business to buy, you can get on the list of these brokers. So um, I, I can send you or, or list out a few of the bigger brokers, but basically if you go to their website, they they are incentivized. They want to have buyers, so you can just put your email address in there, and they'll add you to their list. And then you know every week or however often they want to do it, they'll send you an email with all their new listings. And then typically they want you to sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, before they'll give you more of the details, just because uh, there's a little bit of risk from a seller's perspective um, if someone kind of gets all the information on your business and they're not even really you know, trying to make an offer. They're not making a, a good faith attempt to buy the business and they want to just kind of steal your idea. So typically sellers are kind of protected with this NDA. But anyways, after you sign an NDA and send it to the broker, they'll uh, give you that, that information. And so to your original question, what are some of the examples of businesses I looked at? Um, so there was one that I made an offer on actually, and this might be interesting to talk about why I didn't actually buy it. Um, it was uh, it was a, a woman that had a, a website. She was based in Oklahoma, and it was kind of coupons and deals for stay-at-home moms, basically. So she had a, a couple of contractors that worked for her, and she had some relationships with some stores. Then she used some tools, and um, she basically had this website that every day was posting different types of deals and was getting – uh, for the most part, her revenue is based on affiliate marketing or affiliate links um, from those deals. And so I was looking at it. It was, uh, you know, sounded sort of interesting. I mean, I'm certainly not, not a stay-at-home mom. If you can tell from my voice, I'm, I'm a man, not a woman. But uh, <laughs> Hey now, hey now, be careful what you say. There's plenty of men who stay at home. And <laughs> well, it could be a stay-at-home dad. That's what I was thinking too. That I forgot the name of it now, but it was something about like moms. And I was like, I should probably make it more like – gender neutral because there are stay at home stay at home dads out there too uh but anyways it was it was it was uh, a little tricky i guess because going back to what i said before so i was starting to look into the financials and um looking at the, the seller's bank statements and i started to look for the deposits coming from the different affiliate networks that she was involved in so you know every month the the people that are clicking links they're going to some company like amazon or whoever it is and then they add up all the, the links that were clicked and they send you a check every month or they send you a direct deposit. So I should be able to go on there and, and, and see the bank deposits and then I should be able to see an invoice from that company and those two should match up. Um, and so I saw some bank deposits for a, a pretty significant portion of the total revenue for the month and she gave me the the invoice for it and I was like, well, what is this company? I don't recognize this one. And it was it was basically like a like a blogging platform of some sort, like kind of like a guest posting thing or something. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically, she was writing blog posts and and selling those blog posts. And so it gets a little tricky when you're looking at businesses sometimes, um, depending on the type of business. But in this case, it's a you have to separate the business from the person who owns the business, right? So 
she was selling the business, but then she was also lumping in revenue that was earned from her personally writing blog posts like under her name that was kind of attached to her life experience. Um, and so that wasn't really part of the business at all when you get down to it. And so I had to go back to the broker and to her and say, hey, this is not really – this shouldn't be included. This is a, cult, a separate thing. When I buy this, you're not going to keep writing blog posts for free for me that I can sell, and I can't write them as you, and I'm not a stay-at-home mom. Like No one's going to want to you know, read an article from me. They're reading it from you because you're kind of famous in this circle. So we had to take all that revenue off the table, and now that changes the whole value of the business. And because of that, uh, the whole deal kind of blew up, and I had to move on. So that's the kind of thing where you have to really get down in the weeds. Um, if I hadn't noticed that, then I would have, you know, greatly overpaid for the business. And the next month after I bought it, you know, a third or a half of the revenue would have been gone because she didn't write any more of those blog posts, and the the check wouldn't have come. So, uh, you know, that's the kind of a, a detail that I, I, you know, you know, wasn't looking for necessarily, but I just kind of had to comb through everything and it popped up. Um, some other examples of businesses and there's, there's a lot of Amazon FBA businesses for sale fulfillment by Amazon. If people know what that is, basically, uh, finding products and selling them on the Amazon platform. Uh, there's Amazon merch, which is basically t-shirts and other kind of, uh, clothing that has different slogans and stuff. You can, you can do that on Amazon where you don't actually hold any inventory. You just submit designs and Amazon will print on demand and sell it. Um, there's various products out there, everything from, uh, I mean, workout gear to homewares. I mean, anything you can think of. Uh, there's, there's actually a lot of e-cigarettes companies for sale. There's a lot of kind of nutritional supplements for sale. Those are two really big popular things for some reason. So, Pretty much anything you can think of and a lot of things you can't think of, are, it's out there. You'd really be surprised. It's kind of interesting just looking through these listings of like, I had no idea that was even a thing. People are – obviously, they're making money because I'm seeing all the, the revenue that's coming across. So it's, it's pretty interesting just to see what's out there. Yeah, so obviously, like in order to get your listing, you have to show the broker that you're generating revenue, right? It's not like somebody's going to be able to put their business on there that's not generating revenue. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, like the brokers will tell you, um, you know, this is what the business is making, but there's a big, you know, paragraph from some lawyer somewhere that says the broker kind of absolves himself of any liability if that number is not accurate. So it's it's incumbent upon the buyer to verify the authenticity of any of those numbers. So, I mean, the broker has a vested interest in making sure that the business is viable. If, if a broker is out there and you know, all their listings are fake businesses with no revenue. They're not going to be in business very long because word's going to get around that they don't have legitimate businesses. So the broker wants it to be a good business, but um, they're not going to spend as much time as you are because ultimately it's, it's your money that's going to be buying it. So um, you really have to, you know, take it upon yourself and not necessarily trust what the broker said. Okay, trust but verify, I guess, is the way to think about it. Yeah, totally. Then so how did you settle on this um, discovercontainers.com? as a viable thing that could sustain your lifestyle in Bali or anywhere else in the world? So I, I saw it come across one of those emails I mentioned, um, and it was actually it had a different name at the time. Um, it was called containerhomeplans.org when I purchased it, uh, but I, I changed the name later. Um, so I, I, I saw some of the details about it. I 
said, thought it sounded interesting, so I asked a broker. I filled out the NDA. I got the more detailed information, uh, read through it, and uh, you know, based on my experience as an engineer and uh, you know, kind of being, I don't know, a handy guy, I guess, you know, growing up helping my dad out in the garage and uh, you know, building stuff and you know, working in um, a little manual labor and stuff, you know, as a high school kid. I had a little bit of experience kind of building stuff and fixing stuff, so it wasn't completely out of my wheelhouse, I guess, based on my professional experience as an engineer and then based on some personal experience to think about, you know, building a container house. It wasn't something I'd ever done personally, but I feel like I had some ancillary knowledge that was, you know, related to it um, where it wasn't completely out of left field for me. So did some more research into it, um, scheduled a phone call with the seller, which is typically one of the steps you would take, and, and talk to him about how he got into it and his experience with it and how things were going with it. And ultimately decided that it seemed like it was a good fit for me, at least initially. So kind of dove into what's called due diligence, which is what I was talking about before, looking at all those data points of accounting and Google uh, analytics and all that stuff and trying to verify, you know, is this guy trying to rip me off a, and then, is this a business that I understand? Is this a business that I think is viable, you know, a week from now, a year from now, five years from now? Um, is this a business I think I can improve in some way, which is really important too. Um, some people just want to buy it and not ever touch it again, I guess. That's that's one thing you could do. But most people that are buying a business want to grow it. So when you think about that, you have to think about what skill set do I have um, or what skill set could I pay someone to do for me and be able to grow it. You need to really have a plan before you actually, you know, sign the, the check and send the money over of kind of what you think you could do to, to change or improve things. And so I thought through some of that and had some ideas and uh, decided that it was, you know, not, maybe not the perfect fit, but it was good enough, I guess. You're never going to find perfect. You'll spend the rest of your life looking if you're looking for perfect, just like the perfect wave, I guess, for you in, in surfing. So you got to take one that's you know, 80 or 90 percent of uh, good enough and, and just wing it from there. Did um, – because I know in the t conversation we had prior to the show that you purchased this from a gentleman in England. Is that correct? That is correct. And so now you're, you're jumping into different currencies and how does that all play into the buy eventually? You know, are you paying pounds? Are you going to pay in dollars? Like how do you negotiate that? Yeah, that's – that kind of stuff is something that the broker can help with. Um they they're due to the the way internet businesses work. People are buying and selling them all over the world, so it's it's not super typical that um, you're buying some a business from the person in the same country as you. It's it's pretty normal. So brokers are experienced in that. They help you with that. Um, as far as actual transaction, it was you know a wire transfer from my bank to uh, an escrow service. Um, so that's one of the things that's really important when you buy a business is you use an escrow service, which is um, basically a company that's an intermediary between you and the seller. So um, you pay a fee for this, but you send your money to this company, and then basically the seller will give you all the login information for the website. So you have control over you know, the WordPress, WordPress panel, if that's what he uses. You have control over whatever the shopping cart software is, all that stuff. You can log in. You can see people that are you know, visiting the website at that second. You can see maybe sales are coming in. And typically, you have kind of that access for two, three, four days, whatever the negotiated period is. And then after that, if you're like, okay, this is legit, like money's coming in, people are coming, like nothing seems screwy, then you tell the escrow company, all right, I'm good. And then they release the money and send it over to the seller. So 
that's kind of your last line of defense, I guess. If something, you know, everything looks good, then you get to that point, you're like, wait a second, something looks crazy here. You can tell the escrow service, hey, this is not good. I'm, I'm backing out of the deal. And then they won't give the money to the seller, and you lose your fee, which is, I don't know, some percentage of the deal size. I forget what it is, but, you know, it's a few hundred or a few thousand dollars, depending on how big the business is. But it's to save you, you know, tens or hundreds or however big, uh, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on how big the business is that you buy. Um, so it's a it's a necessary evil, I guess, to pay for, it, and it would certainly, you know, save your bacon if it turned out that the company was not legit. Wow, dude, mind is blown right now. Thank you for being so detailed in that. And it leads me nicely to my next question, which you don't have to disclose what you paid, but can you give us a range on like what people are selling within the different companies that you were analyzing? Or is there kind of like a number that you pretty much saw across the board that the range everybody was in? Yeah, I can I can kind of talk about ranges. So um, when you think about buying an online business, a lot of what you're buying typically is a website. Um Sometimes some of like the Amazon FBA businesses, they are they may not even have a website. They may just be exclusively on Amazon, which is kind of a risky situation, but that's another discussion. So typically you're you're buying this website. Um and so sometimes you can buy, I mean, everyone's probably familiar with the domain names, right? You can go to various domain name places and buy a domain name for I think like ten dollars a year or something like that. Um so there are kind of the there's a there's a broker in particular called Flippa.com, F-L-I-P-P-A.com. And so some of the the websites on sale for there from from Flippa are, you know, made last week or last month. They they've maybe someone has bought a domain and they've they've thrown a page up or they've thrown a couple pages up and it's got, you know, very minimal traffic. They're not even really selling anything and just like a little bit of content there. You can buy some of that stuff for, you know, under a hundred bucks probably. Then um, you kind of step up a little bit. There's there's websites that have got some traffic and maybe they're making money from Google Ads or they've got some affiliate links and they're not making a ton of money, but you know the website's been around for a few months. Maybe they're making you know ten, twenty, thirty bucks a month or something, and and you can you know buy some of those for hundreds of dollars. Um, and then you know it just kind of steps up from there. The maturity of the website, how long it's been around, and how it's it's monetized, what what things they're selling or how they're making money. Um, kind of determines, you know, how much it's worth. Um, and then I guess taking a step back, we should probably talk about how you would value a business. So whether it's brick and mortar or online business, most businesses are are evaluated based on kind of how much money they make in a period, whether it's a month or a year, and then a multiplier. So for online businesses, the majority of them, you look at like kind of how much money they're making in a year. And I'm, when I say that, I'm talking about kind of profit, not revenue. So after you take your expenses out, how much kind of profit or cash flow did you have in the year? And then multiply that by two to four. Um, so if it was making $1,000 in a year, then you could buy that business for probably two to $4,000 total. Um, that's kind of, I mean, there's there's some that are less, there's some that are more, but probably 90% are in that range. And so when you ask how much businesses are, are selling for, you just look at well, how much money are they making? Multiply it by somewhere between two and four, and that's how much they're selling for. Right. Yeah. And just so that the audience can give them a little better perspective. So, say for example, it costs me just to live here in Asia, a thousand bucks a month. So I'm looking for a company that, after expenses, is generating what at least a thousand bucks a month for me to sustain my lifestyle. Maybe plus some because I want to fly home every now and again. Would that be kind of a fair evaluation? 
Yeah, and then yeah, that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, so you would think a thousand dollars a month. So the the number I gave you was based on years. So multiply that by twelve. So now we're at twelve thousand, and then multiply that by two to four. So that's twenty four to forty eight thousand would get you a website that should be averaging about a thousand dollars a month. But you know, with anything online, you know what's hot today is not necessarily hot tomorrow, right? There's brick and mortar businesses are, are boring and unsexy, but uh, you know some would argue that they're a little more stable and less risky. So um, you know, there's websites that were super popular and cool a year ago, and no one even knows what they are now. So um, I wouldn't say that it's making a thousand dollars a month, and you can just take that to the bank. It's going to be a thousand dollars a month ten years from now. Um, it's making a thousand dollars a month. It'll probably be a thousand dollars a month next month. Two or three months from now, will it be a thousand dollars a month? Who knows? You know, maybe it'll be two thousand. Maybe it'll be five hundred. Some of that's on you. Some of that's on kind of external factors. So it goes again into the due diligence and, and kind of looking at what are the trends of this this item or this product or this content, and is that something that's kind of growing? Are there competitors that are kind of doing more? They're going to overtake you. You have to look into all that type of stuff. But yeah. Assuming that it's a thousand dollars a month and that it's that's kind of holding steady, then you would be looking at twenty four to forty eight thousand dollars for a transaction price to to purchase that website. Awesome, yeah, that's great info. Thank you for that. Can you talk us like say um, one of our listeners wants to come check out your website? What 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 do you have on your website? What are you delivering when you're delivering your you know discovercontainers.com? So right now, uh, my site is monetized uh, with a couple of information products. Uh, and so they are a set of uh, electronic uh, floor plans and then an ebook basically that kind of explains the whole process of, of building a container house. And so um, all my revenue is derived from selling both of those products. Um, I you know have plans to diversify that and, and do some other stuff. But as of right now, it's pretty much all just that. I do have a, a couple of... Uh, Amazon affiliate links on there as well, but I'm not really making too much from those right now. But um, again, a lot of opportunity to to grow things with affiliate links and lead generation and other uh, you know products and things like that. And then, how much is your ebook selling for at this point in time? Uh, the ebook sells for forty nine dollars. Uh, the set of plans by themselves sell for forty nine dollars, or you can purchase those together in kind of a combo for sixty nine dollars. And then I just recently added a kind of a project planner document that makes a, a Gantt chart for any project manager types out there. And I'm selling that for $5. Cool, man. So these are for people who are interested in building their own container home. Like you have everything they could possibly need to learn and follow the steps in order to go out and do it themselves. That and... I think I'm, I'm also trying to help people that are, you know, they're interested in container homes and, you know, maybe they have the thought of potentially building one and they kind of start researching and looking and they're like, maybe this is a little bit too much for me to bite off. And so there's companies out there that sell these things. And so my, my information products are also useful for those people because when you think about, uh, you know, if you wanted to go buy a container home, you're, you know, the, the cheapest one I've ever seen is probably twenty to $30,000. Um, if you're going to spend twenty or $30,000 on something, you know, you probably want to understand it. There's people out there who start these businesses, you know, all the time to make these container houses, and they don't necessarily have a lot of experience. So how, would, how do you evaluate that this guy that's going to take your, you know, twenty or $30,000 knows what he's doing? So, you know, spending, uh, you know, 50 bucks on a book from me, even if you're not going to build it yourself, just knowing 
in the back of your mind, kind of what is the process that one would go through to build it can help you as you're having those conversations with contractors and, and make you a little more effective and knowledgeable so you don't get taken advantage of. So I really think the, the products are you know applicable for both do-it-yourselfers and people that want to purchase one as well. Right, because yeah, with your engineering background, you actually understand like the physics behind everything and how to actually construct something so it's safe and the foundation's solid. Yeah, exactly. That's that's uh, helpful that I have a little bit of background in some of that stuff. I'm I'm certainly not an expert, but I think I know more than the average person. And uh, you know, getting able to being able to ask other people and, and do some research of my own can fill in the gaps and, and make sure that it's a valuable resource for people. So the circling back, you know, to you prior to now living in Bali and selling information on container homes, you know, you talked about being in the military for five years and the various business ventures that you're in. I mean, did you travel a lot? Like, how did you know you had a lust for traveling and that you wanted to make this like your lifestyle? You know, I feel like I kind of uh, got on the travel bandwagon a little late. Uh, You know, I guess you're not supposed to have regrets in life, but I do wish I had started earlier. Um, So, you know, growing up, I I wasn't, you know, traveling internationally. Uh, it wasn't really something that was on my radar. Um, I I think at some point uh, I I went on a trip with my parents uh, outside of the country. Uh, that was the only time I ever went anywhere. Uh, it was like a a mission trip with our church. Um, but other than that, I pretty much just stayed put. And um, you know, it just wasn't really something that I even considered. It wasn't that I. I didn't know that I wanted it, I guess, until, uh, you know, later on. And what really kind of precipitated it for me was when I was getting out of the military and getting ready to, to start my MBA program, they had these uh, trips you could take kind of before the, the school started with a group of 15 or 20 people that were going to be your, your future classmates. So you would go to some location for a week or two and you know, do some sightseeing and hang out and, and, you know, kind of become friends with a smaller group of people. So when you started school, you already knew some people. Um, that sounded interesting. So uh, there was a, a, a trip that was going to Belize. And so I thought that sounded pretty cool. So I signed up for it, um, having not really, you know, done very much traveling, obviously. But I uh, did that and I was like, man, this is amazing. And on top of that, talking to all the people on the trip and then talking to people later that I met in school kind of opened my eyes to, you know, people are people are going overseas and they're traveling and you know some I didn't really know about the whole working part of it that came later but you know you could you can go to a foreign country and just kind of wing it and go to a hostel and like just kind of find your way around uh, that that concept never really crossed my mind I guess um, and so just being exposed to people that had done that really opened my eyes and and getting a chance to do it myself, you know, it kind of, uh, you know, I guess opened opened the floodgates. And, you know, next thing I know, I was, you know, booking some other trips with some friends and then doing some solo travel and, um, you know, fast forward. And here I am in Bali for the third time and loving life. So uh, I guess it's, uh, it's dangerous, I guess, because, uh, you know, I, I didn't really know about it and now I can't stop it. But <laughs> I think you, you and some of your listeners can probably commiserate with that. 100%. You mind me asking how old you are? I'm 35. 35. You're a young man, dude. You didn't discover <laughs> anything late, dude. I mean, there's people in their 60s who are saying the exact same thing you did. So, um, how'd you how'd you settle on Bali? Why was Bali the place to go for you? Uh, I won't say it's the place to go. It's it's the place for right now. But I um, 
I kind of randomly ended up here. A friend of mine a couple of years ago was was coming to meet some other people, and uh, she had told me about you know going to Bali like the night before, and I was at a at a point where I kind of had some free time, and I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So I bought a ticket like a day or two before she was flying. Like she already had the, this the whole thing planned. Uh, so I came out here, and uh, I don't know, I just really liked it here. Um, I I've been to some of the other places in Southeast Asia, and I won't say Bali's like you know head and shoulders above some of the other great locations in Southeast Asia, but I really do like it here. Um, it's, you know, it's got a, a good mix of, of beach and mountains. It's cheap. It's uh, got a good scooter culture. If you're familiar with riding scooters and motorcycles, you can really explore this whole island, which is, you know, it's, it's big and it's small. I mean, it's, it's an island, but you can go all the way across it in, you know, a day or less, but it's got, all you know, different cities and villages and there's different fields to different parts of it. And, uh, it's just a really diverse place, so I really like it here. And, yeah, you have that community that we've kind of alluded to. I mean, there are a lot of digital nomads there. I mean, are you living with them and feeding off of that entrepreneurial spirit and energy, or are you kind of doing it solo? Uh, I'm I'm kind of doing both, I guess. I, I'm kind of bouncing around. So a friend of mine that I knew from before, he's kind of got his own online business, and we ended up kind of meeting here. So uh, we we work together every now and then. We're doing completely unrelated things, but we kind of bounce ideas off of each other. Uh, I've spent some time working in a co-working place. There's a number of those in Bali, as there are in other Southeast Asia locations. Um, and, you know, that worked out pretty good. Uh, for right now, I'm just working at the place that I'm staying in, in my room. Um, it just kind of depends on what kind of person you are. If I kind of get distracted easily, so I felt like I was being a little more productive at home than I was at the co-working place. And sometimes a co-working place, I'm I guess I'm a spoiled American, but I like to have my air conditioning uh, really blasting cold. And some of the European people, they're they're used to a little more warmer environment. So I was be like sweating in the co-working environment. And I'm, why am I paying for this thing if I'm like sitting here miserable? So I'll just go home and crank my AC down. So, uh, but yeah, there's there's a ton of people um, in Bali, specifically in the in the area that I'm in right now, that are doing you know a ton of different types of digital nomad things. So. Just within you know two or three miles of me, I think there's four or five co-working places. So uh, there's a ton of people that are here. Uh, there's you know the groups in in the Dynamite Circle. There's uh, you know Facebook and meetup groups of people that you can meet up with. So um, if you if you want to get plugged into that, there's a ton of people. If if you want to kind of you know do your own thing and kind of meet up with them, you know on an ad hoc basis, you can do that too. So it's kind of however you want to make things work for yourself. Yeah, dude. I mean, like we were saying earlier, just that accountability, just being around like-minded people just can really set people, I think, in a different trajectory that is really productive and healthy. I mean, obviously, if you get tied in with people who want to party, like it's different as well. But, you know, let's speak a little bit to maybe somebody who's thinking about going to college. Now, I'm not trying to give advice to people to go to college or not, but we hear a lot through like talkers like Gary Vaynerchuk, who's always talking about you know, these kids are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on this education that when they come out with, there's no job guarantees. And a lot of them are just sitting on this debt that they'll never be able to pay back where, you know, this option that you've taken and kind of presented to the listeners is a really interesting option for a lot of people where it's like the amount that we talked about paying where it's like twenty three to $48,000 for a well-researched business that then you could take and go live in a lot of countries around the world rather than going to college sounds like a really interesting option to me to maybe, you know, encourage young people to think about. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's a very nuanced question of is, is college right for you? I think it really depends on the person and kind of what their ambitions are. There's there's a lot of careers out there that, you know, require a college degree or require, you know, higher education. You know, if you want to be a lawyer or a doctor or, you know, something like that, like you you can't learn that online. You know, you have to go go to school for that. Um, if you want to do kind of this digital nomad thing, you know, you don't you don't have to go to college for that. But I don't think the the no college is right for everyone. You mean you have to be a certain type of personality and really be a self-starter and really be motivated uh, to be able to teach yourself a lot of this stuff in a very unstructured environment. And for some people, that just wouldn't work for them. And you have to know yourself. Um, and if you don't know yourself, I mean, you, you end up spending a lot of money and a lot of time and, and not, you know, really doing anything effectively. So um, if you're the type of person that can buckle down and, you know, you know, read a bunch of books and go through a bunch of courses, you know, online and, and teach yourself stuff and apply it and, and make something of it, then, you know, more power to you. You know, maybe the traditional college university environment is not necessarily where you need to be. But for other people, I mean, college is not just about, uh, you know, the book learning, it's about, you know, kind of the social learning and, and learning from some of your peers, just like you talked about with, um, you know, these you know, masterminds and groups at co-workings and all those type of places. You, you're meeting people who are working in online businesses. At college, you're meeting people who are kind of learning things and, and figuring things out and doing things. And some of those people have businesses or they come from different environments. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things you can learn in that, in that environment as well. And I, I think it really just kind of depends on who you are and, and what you want to do. Um, but if you know that, you know, this, this digital nomad thing is for you, um, then it can be a good fit. But again, I would caution you, I guess, like, you know, it, it looks really sexy in the pictures you see on, you know, Buzzfeed or Facebook, or whatever with, you know, the guy sitting on the beach and, and doing the work and the, the money just rolls in. And, and it can be that at some times, but it's also, you know, you're sitting in your room for 12 or 14 hours, like you said, you know, just uh, typing away on your computer, uh, you know, doing, you know, work that's not necessarily super sexy. Um, and, you know, there's a stress that comes with, you know, I was making $1,000 this month and, you know, next month I'm making $200. You know, what happened? You know, I'm, oh my God, I cannot be able to pay the bills now. You know, there's, that's, that's a reality. Like things change, situations change. Um, so you have to be able to kind of handle some of that stress because there's not a boss to go ask, you know, your, your paycheck's not coming in regardless of what you do. Like it, it's all on you, uh, to make things happen. So if you don't think you're going to be able to handle that, then maybe it's not for you. Maybe you need to, you know, dip a toe in the water, do a side hustle, kind of maybe buy a smaller business, keep whatever you got going, um, and try it out and see, you know, is this something that I enjoy? Is this something that I can handle the ups and downs of? And then maybe at that point, it makes sense to kind of move forward. But to just jump in with both feet uh, without having done it, you know, it, it may or may not work out for you. That's very sound advice, and thank you for being so articulate to the audience about that because I think you touched upon you know, a lot of things that I think are tremendously valuable in thinking about what your next move could be if you choose not to go to college. You know, A lot of people out there, I'm going to do the next Facebook, I'm going to be the next Elon Musk or whatever, and like, mm -hmm. I think the ideas you've presented today are just a really more attainable and, and something that you said people can dip their toe into and, and get a feel for it. if this is really the lifestyle that they want being a digital nomad and a business is this a business that i could really get myself into and and make flourish and 
give me all the opportunities that I want in life because most businesses fail, you know? So rather than starting from scratch and trying to build your own brand, like this is a really good option to get your feet wet as a digital entrepreneur. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I, there's, you could use the analogy of like a house, right? If, if you just showed up to a bare patch of ground, you know, it's just dirt there and you had to build a house, like where would you start? Like, do you, do you know what it, you want it to look like? Do you know what color you want it to be? Like, do you know how tall it's going to be? Like, there's just so many things to decide on. Like, do you have any good ideas? Or you could go buy a fixer-upper and maybe, you know, it's already there and you just want to kind of change the color. You want to put a different door on or you want to, you know, change the configuration of this room. But you've got something to start off with. You know, you're, you've got a roof over your head and you're just kind of changing the way it looks a little bit. So it's a, you know, it requires a little more money up front. But on the flip side, it's it's a little less overwhelming, I think, because you've got something. You're not You're not starting off with, you know, the air in your hand. You've got a something that's making money and you can just tweak things, improve things, change things, but you're not just having to come up with an idea and make it out of nothing. Right now, one more question. Do you love what you do? Are you passionate about what you do or is this kind of a means to an end? Can you give us some indicator of how you feel about you know your container business? <sighs> hmm, That's an interesting question, Chapin. Uh, I, I enjoy it. I wouldn't say that I love it. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I love... I love sitting on the beach. I love riding my motorcycle. You know, I don't know if I'm ever going to find a job that I love. I mean, maybe it's out there, but I've yet to find it. I'd say that I like this more than most of the other work that I've done. And I certainly like the flexibility that I have, which really goes hand in hand, right? I'm I'm sitting here in Bali and, you know, people ask me, people, friends will text me, you know, when are you coming home? Or are you going to be here for this? And I don't know. I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, maybe I'll come home next month. Maybe I'll come home next year. You know, I've I have no idea. I, I have that flexibility where I can I can go where I want to go. If, if I want to go to some other country, if I want to stay here, if I want to go back home, you know, any of those options are on the table for me. And you know, having been on the other side of that, where you know you got the two or three weeks vacation a year, and you're just trying to squeeze in your vacation, and, uh, it's just it's really I really enjoy the flexibility of of making my own schedule and. Uh, you know, if I don't want to work today, I don't have to, you know, I can just go to the beach all day and I can do work tomorrow. Um, but you know, it's, if I don't make any money, you know, that's kind of my fault too. So it all, you know, sink or swim, it all kind of rides on my shoulders. And so far I'm really liking that. Do you have aspirations to replicate this model? Maybe buy another small online business and do it again? Or are you going to stick with this for a while? Uh, I would like to either buy something that's related to this and kind of combine it or maybe buy something else. Uh, we'll just kind of see how things play out. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't see myself owning this particular business for, you know, 10 or 20 years. I think at some point I will probably sell it. Um, hopefully I'll, I'll sell it for more than I bought it for if things go well. Uh, that's the idea. So hopefully I can grow it. And then, you know, whether I grow it organically or whether I find something that kind of, uh, you know, fits in with it, um, that I can kind of combine with it, we'll just kind of have to see. But, you know, I'm still on all those lists for those brokers and I, and I see things that are for sale. So, you know, if I see something that looks like it might be, you know, a good fit for this, you know, I'll, I'll consider it. And you just never know what's going to come, come across the email. You know, there's just crazy businesses every week that are being sold. So uh, it's just, uh, it's a, you know, luck of the draw what comes across that, that email. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. This has been such an enlightening episode. If you could speak to one listener out there who's listening, who's considering, you know, following in your footsteps, can you give them, you know, a word of advice or some wisdom to part with? I think the the most important thing um, 
if you want to buy a business, like you need to be able to run the business. So you need to have some experience in whatever it is you're trying to do. And for most people, the majority of, of businesses like this are, you know, a WordPress type site. It's got some content. It's got some some things that are being sold. So you know, go out, spend you know a couple bucks, and you know, get you a Bluehost account or something, and and get a WordPress site. You know, practice you know using it. You know, get a Google excuse me, get a Google Analytics account and you know, figure out how to go through there and use the menus, read some articles about SEO and all that type of stuff. Kind of get your feet wet on kind of what makes, you know, websites work, how does online marketing work, all that type of stuff. So when you're looking for something to buy later, you've kind of got a little bit of background knowledge and not just from reading articles, but from actually doing it. You can you can read books and articles to your blue in the face, but until you've actually, you know, clicked the buttons and gone through the menus and, and seen how things work. It's really doesn't connect in your mind. So spending a little bit of money on uh, kind of practicing, uh, you know, with a little site and who knows, you know, maybe the site you, you make, you know, turned into something, but if not, it's, you know, you at least kind of learn how to navigate through everything and you're better equipped to, to evaluate something later. Hell yeah, brother. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, Aaron, so much for coming on and giving us that in-depth analysis of how you did it, how you became a digital nomad, how you're living your life around the world in the way that you want, and how you just went out, purchased a business, and really shortened that period of time that a lot of us are grinding at right now where we're trying to build a brand and build that online presence to sell whatever we're selling, whether it's a service or material goods. Like I said, I was just completely like mind-blowing when you're like, oh, I just went and bought a business. And it was viable, so I moved to Bali, and, and it's totally functional. I'm making enough to live month to month in Bali. It's like, that's awesome, dude. Congratulations on that. Please remember, if you're somebody who is enticed by this episode, who likes this idea of possibly doing what Aaron did, Aaron would consider creating a course around what he did to help you identify the business that you might want to buy that is a viable business for the lifestyle that you are trying to live and if you leave a comment saying this, I think that Aaron should create a course. If there's enough comments saying that and encouraging Aaron to build a course, then he said he would consider building a course around that subject, creating another business for himself, which is going to help you become location independent from work, living like he is in Bali or wherever he chooses. Because again, he bought a business that was viable, making enough money a month to live in places like Bali, like Southeast Asia, like a lot of places in the world where the standard of living is such that it's very affordable. It's very beautiful. It's very easy to live a really, really cool life by making a few thousand bucks a month, even less. So thank you again. I appreciate it. Thank you all are so very, very beautiful. Please get over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop. Grab a shirt. Please hit the subscribe button. Follow Misfits and Rejects on Instagram. I love doing this for you. These people that I'm interviewing are just my heroes in so many ways. So I'm doing it as much for you as it is important for me to capture these stories because it really just motivates me to keep going, keep grinding, keep trying to design that life that I've always wanted. I'm getting there. I'm getting close. It's still a monthly battle, but I'm feeling good about it and happy to share these stories with you. So keep it on the next episode. It's going to be a good one. Got a lot of cool, interesting expats and digital nomads coming your way. I love you all and I'll see you next time. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that 
I interview and inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new. To live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it, it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.